This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, isn't it about time your printer got smart too? Now printing is smart with HP+. And the HP Smart app is how it all happens. You can print from your phone with just a tap, no matter where you are. Even from your garage slash home office slash yoga studio. Huh, that is smart. HP+. Learn more about smart printing at hp.com slash smart. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. These days, choices are everywhere. Like, for instance, the milk in your coffee. Would you like it from a cow? A nut? A tree? Everyone wants options. And now your customers have a new option in the way they pay. With PayPal in person. Just generate your unique QR code in the PayPal app for them to scan. And start accepting PayPal in person today. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to episode 50 of the Washed Up Emo Podcast. We are now part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network. Find network of shows. Find more info at jabberjawmedia.com. And I also want to welcome sponsor Soundrink. They're the ultimate artist experience. Check them out at soundrink.com. This episode, we welcome James from Beach Slang and Weston. And if you want to be inspired as a musician or a music fan, spend the next 45 minutes with James from Beach Slang and you will be pleasantly, pleasantly surprised and inspired. And uh, they're recently released, The Things We Do to Find People Who Feel Like Us is my hands down record of the year. Go stop the podcast now and listen to it and then come back. Fantastic. Hope you enjoy the show. Well, James, thank yeah. you for being on the Washed Up Emo podcast. I do not consider you washed up yet because you're still doing it. Uh, and Very good. All, I appreciate that. And all the interviews, and you've sort of had this sentiment that I've really loved, and I think this is kind of a good jumping off point, is that you've, from either Weston or you know through Beach Slang, you've got this same sort of mantra of, we're still doing it, it's okay if you're 20, 35, 45, if you're still rocking, you still feel young. And I think it comes through on the music. Um, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, maybe the knee hurts a little bit more, the back. But, uh, you know, what what were some of those sort of feelings, I guess, your, I guess your, your mindset of that feeling of being, this is cool, this is still fine. I'm okay if I got a few, you know, <laughs> cricks in my back. Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, look, you look around and I look at, I look at friends of mine and stuff who are the happiest and all of those people are the people still doing the thing that lights them up. You know, like I know there's this sort of societal sort of thing, right. Where you're supposed to, I don't know, mature or compromise or whatever that thing may be at a certain age. Like, you know, that's not a hard, fast rule. That's not even a rule. You know, that's just this made up thing that people who maybe, you know, sort of conform too much or sort of compromise their heart, 
a little too much sort of sort of made up, right? So it's like I just chose to never listen to that. Um, you know, so here I am having the time of my life without apology. You know, and do you like, feel that yeah. that that started from? if it was the punk rock scene or the DIY scene in Philly or Pennsylvania, like, do you feel like it was sort of bred from that? Were there bands that you looked up to early on? Was there a, was there a moment that you said, this is what I want to do? Sort of what were some of those hair on the back of your neck feelings? Oh yeah. Without a doubt, man, I, I, I can, I can rattle off three immediately because they just immediately jump out at me. Um, the first show I ever went to was the Ramones. Uh, I saw them at a, just like a hall, the, 500 cap hall in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. And like sort of walked in, I was a little kid, like preteen, you know, um, and just, you know, walked in there and the place was like outer space, you know, it was a whole new kind of thing. Like I was listening to like punk rock records, but I had, you know, I had no real context for it. Right. Uh, Ramones come on and the place just gets, I mean, just goes off. Right. Um, and I never understood, like, I never saw pits before and slam dancing and that level of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, getting knocked over and things. And then these, like, older punks with these huge smile on their faces just, like, picking me back up and doing that, like, fatherly, like, you know, hand in the hair sort of, like, you know, sort of thing, right? And it just became this very, like, big brotherly, just, like, looking out for me, right? And it just, like, right away I was, like, that sense of belonging and community, you know, was beautiful, right? And then we sort of fast forward to later and I'm, I'm playing with Weston and um, two things happened there. I remember we toured with Lifetime and they were playing and they removed themselves from the stage one night to sort of say, you know, no one hears above the other. Right. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that thing. Right. And then <clears throat> I went to go see the Bouncing Souls once um, again, pretty young. And uh, I, I remember just being, you know, kind of just getting into the thing, right? And I think the Argyle seven inch up to Pete and I'm like, you know, can you sign this for me, right? And he's like, I'll tell you what I'll do, man. I'll sign that for you if you sign this for me. And like, I was, I was in nothing, you know? Um, that's, that's like the Holy Trinity for me, man. Like that's the thing that really sculpted uh, the way I see this thing that I hold so dear. I love that. I love that about the Bouncing Souls because that moment, the guy knew. He knew that you were probably nervous. You probably had a really bad band T-shirt on, and you know whatever sure. it was. And he was like, "Wait a minute, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna sort of turn it on his head." And I think that that really those kind of moments I can remember, and I'm sure everyone listening has those same kind of moments where you go to that show, something happens, and that's it. And I think it's really hard to explain to someone that maybe just got into top forty or maybe just sort of in those worlds, those those independent scenes. I feel like those are those things that I think people connect to um and then it kind of stays with them it's not a phase that wasn't like oh that was two years where you were sort of that way this is just it ended up being ingrained in you that's just man you know because like like our scene these aren't like manufactured gimmicks for like the purposes of marketing right these are like core things we sort of believe in like these are this is how we live like these are things we hold very dear to us you know and um, yeah, man, that's really affecting, right? It's like you put me in that same situation somewhere else where, to your point, like the embarrassing teaching and things like that, and it goes the other way, and like you kind of get made fun of, that sticks with you in a really horrible way, right? So it's like I had the good fortune of coming up in this scene and like 
sort of getting set straight, you know, giving a really cool compass to sort of follow. What were some of the things early on for you, like the Ramon show or Lifetime or Bouncing Souls, or maybe even earlier, finding that first guitar or that first song? What, what were some of those that you, you were sort of connecting to or gravitating to? Yeah, yeah, there were two things. I had an uncle um, in New England give me uh, Buzzcocks, a uh, single going steady record. And I heard that and just lit up because my mom, you know, she was a real, she kind of brought me up on like early like Beatles and Beach Boys records. So these super pop kind of things. And when I heard the Buzzcocks, I was like, well, it's all of that pop melody and all those good things, but it had this sort of new energy, you know, and, and as I was sort of hitting adolescence, like that was appealing to me, right? You know, you get a, getting a little more angsty and things. Um, so I certainly remember that. And um, okay, so coming back in and then the second thing, um, I got taken to go see a uh, stage production of Tommy and uh, man, I just really fell in love with that thing. Like Townsend is like Townsend's the reason I picked up a guitar. You know, I, uh, after going to see that, I sort of like, well, let me look into this, this, the who band, you know? And I, you know, look, man, I saw the first time I saw Townsend smash a guitar. I, you know, it was, it was the coolest thing. I, I, at that point I thought I'd ever seen. Right. So, um, I don't know, something about that just spoke to me. You know, when you're just like, I've always been a real introverted kind of wallflowery kid, and like, you can sort of, you have this really, I don't know, this like beautiful, this, this way to release all of that with still being sort of shy and awkward, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I saw him do that, and it felt like, I don't know, man, that, that really that really spoke to me for sure. And yeah, the Buzzcocks and Tommy, yeah. Yeah, those are, I mean, th those are great. And then the... Uh... What about the what about the place you grew up and 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 the bands and sort of connecting on those levels? Were there were there local bands that are long forgotten that sort of were there or were there big was it a big band that came through when you were sort of starting to play? Yeah, I mean, uh, or just more about the scene itself. I, yeah, well, the, yeah, the scene itself for sure, man. Um, so it came up kind of in the Lehigh Valley, right? So we were like based around Bethlehem and things like that where like sort of Weston was doing the thing, but then there'd be like, there was a, there was a club called four G's and uh, Wally's and things like that. And you know, man, all these, like everybody would play there. Right. It was like, there was a place to go for the scene. You know, it was like, you know, sometimes you can be places and it's like, there's sort of punks like looking for it. You know, there's like hunger there, but nobody kind of knows, how to sort of centralize it and focus it, you know, we had the good fortune of having that, um, you know, all shows at different fire halls and things like that. And it just was like, you know, things like that really ignite a scene, you know? So yeah, like there was never a time, I don't know that there wasn't like a weekend, you know, you couldn't go to something really, really cool. There weren't age restrictions. There weren't like anything like that. You could just kind of go and do the thing and kind of get turned on to the bands coming through. So yeah, I would say I would say more so than like, you know, I had the impact of like this band came through and sort of knocked me out. It was that sort of the consistency of having nights that were knocking me out, you mm -hmm. know? And yeah. you know, and as you were starting to play shows, I mean, what I loved about Weston, and I think if you anyone listening has not listened to Weston, go back and search it out. It's all on Spotify. It was like the punk that I liked, but it had the hooks, but it was also hard. Like it was, it right was, on. it was driving. And I think those three things were sort of like in my head, I was like, well, this is perfect. 
thank you, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, being, I mean, this yeah. was for the, you know, if it was 94, 96, 97, that was me in high school and then right into college. Um, and uh, just that sort of, I think you guys could kind of, I mean, Weston was the punk, like the skater guy's favorite band, but it also could be a hardcore guy's, like one of his favorite bands. Yeah. And, you know, and that was like a sign of the times back then, right? I mean, we were doing the thing where it was like, you know, we, we, we played shows with a ton, ton of hardcore bands and a ton of like, like you sort of, like, that's what you did, you know? Um, so I think there was sort of an, if not an endearing quality to that, there was certainly uh, a respect quality to that that came with it. I mean, there was a, there was a sense of sort of youth, youthful bravado, you know, to some, some of the shows we played, you know, and I think that, that, uh, that resonated with like kids in different scenes, you know? Um, or at least I hope it did. I think well, so. You know? Well, what's interesting now is that before, you know, there'd be a show I would go to and the middle band or something that no one liked if it was, you know, I'm joking, but 25 to life. <laughs> All right. I, I don't want to hear 25 to life. So people go outside and smoke or go outside. Now it's you just look down sure. at your phone. And there's such that there's such that I mean, are there things that you're thinking about? Is it's do you look back and we're like, wow, that was easier or harder? I just love the sort of you were in both eras. I mean, this pre-internet where and now it's like all internet. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, man. I look, you know, I, I definitely feel, and this is for me personally, right? You know, I, you know, some of the romanticism of it's gone. You know, um, that like going into a record store and digging through digging through stacks of records or, you know, finding out about new zines or new bands through like zines or like mixtapes or like, it was very, it, it was just the humanity of it all was a lot more amplified, you know, where like now to your point, you know, you can look down at the phone or just sort of type and sort of search around and like, you know, you're sort of connecting that way. I don't know. It just feels, I don't know. I remember the excitement of like getting a mixtape in the mail from like a friend or like, you know, maximum rock and roll, like came in mail. you know, it was just like, there was something to that. It was like, you know, now, I, I don't know. Now that stuff's just sort of lost. And I, I wonder I, sometimes if it's, I feel like if I was, I wasn't, I'm, I was thinking more like I had more time <laughs> to think. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we live in that like, a constant state of like mental clutter now. Right. Because it's like, we see now times to think as we're bored. Yeah. So we immediately are like, well, I've got to see if anybody posted on my thing. You know, it's just like kind of like we sort of forget how to recreationally use our heads, you know, to just think and, and sort of be inside of that. Um, yeah, you know, and there that thing is, right? We've sort of lost the romanticism. Maybe, maybe you know, and I, su- I suppose it like, certainly is bigger than being, in a, being a punk or like being in the scene, right? It's just like being human, you know, we've sort of lost like that part of it. Like we, we, there's a nervousness in standing still now and it didn't always, it wasn't always like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think about, you know, driving or, or, or even driving home from a show and there's those moments that you were all picking a song to play and you're staring out the window and I feel like I was thinking, and yes, there were things filling my head if it was something non-sequential or something that didn't make, it didn't make sense or, but there was, it wasn't like each of us were in our own worlds. And I remember I was on a road trip recently and just, I looked around and we were all on our phone. I was like, what the hell are we doing? Like, this is, right, and maybe right. I know that this sounds super old and everyone's, you know, that's a certain age is rolling their eyes and saying that's how it's always been. But I just think there's that, the, the punk rock side of it where I felt like there was more 
this connection where there was a personal connection where you and I would have met face to face and I would have maybe shook your hand or said, hear this. But now it's like, I mean, how many times, I mean, how many things have we conversed back and forth before we actually spoke? Um, right. And uh, so those are the, those are the things that You know, I got walked into the scene pretty organically, man. I like, you know, I moved up to the valley there and Chuck, who was Weston's bassist, worked at like, you know, the best record store. And, you know, I got to say, man, he really kind of took me under his wing and was like turning me on a new record. So I, I don't know, that sort of mentorship, I never really, I don't know, I never, I, I don't feel like I ever really had a confusing moment, like interpreting what all of this meant. I, cause I got walked in through the through the right door, you know, as it were. So no, man, I don't really, I don't, I don't think I had, I, I, I needed a, a, a period of sort of digesting it all. It just sort of like happened in a way that I was like, yeah, this, this fits, you know? Yeah. Were there any bands that you liked from that era or were you sort of removed to it, removed of it being on a different sort of world on the Western side? Yeah, I, I suppose I was, I, I will say, you know, just, shooting right from the gut here. I remember the first time we, 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 I saw the smoking popes. We were just playing a hall show and I heard those guys come out and I, I was real blown back, man. And like all of this keeps coming back to that whole, like it's, it's that, it's that buzzcocks beginning for me. Right. It's that sort of distorted guitar thing with these really melodic sort of vocal lines. And like, um, and I heard them and that was something I felt like I hadn't heard before, you know? Um, I remember, I remember really, really being blown back by them, and and they and they stood out in a really cool way. Where it was like, I think there was sort of a, you know, there was a sound, you know, based on subgenre you were sort of playing. And I felt like those guys, while they fit in to those shows, they 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 absolutely kind of had their own thing going. And I really, yeah, that that really like reached out and sort of sort of shook me around a little bit. I still love those guys. I think they're an amazing band. Cool. Um, I yeah. wanted to I wanted to mention some Western records. Um, my favorite of the lot, and people can yell and scream, is Matinee. Um, oh, right on. I don't know if that was sort of your. I, I would love to sort of the some of the thought process, and I think some of the hookiest songs, some of the most I think uh, memorable songs. If it was my favorite mistake or in in April sometime, which is a deep cut uh, radio, of course, indie rock star. Can you talk a little bit about Matinee and its sort of going in what, what you guys were thinking? Yeah, sure, man. Um, well, that was like the first record so we, that we didn't have Chuck on. Um, so, and Jesse came in. So, so obviously, you know, that was, that was a shift for us, right? But it was like, I think it was that moment where we, I remember having this sort of conversation about, so we, you know, at that point we had, you know, Rebellion and got beat up and they were, to us, they sort of existed in a very similar wheelhouse, you know? And we just didn't, you know, man, we didn't want to just get pain. We didn't want to paint ourselves into a corner, you know, because, you know, we we're being optimistic at that point, thinking this thing's going to last forever, right? We, we don't want to keep Xeroxing the same record. Um, so, you know, so we tried to evolve and push it a bit. And, you know, and yeah, you know, like any time a band kind of does that, it's met with a bit of resistance. Um, but look, for me, man, I felt like that was, 
you know, that was a big step forward for me as a songwriter, I thought, you know, and I'm, and I'm not sitting here declaring any, anything I've ever done to be good or great or even okay, but it's like inside of me, I felt like I definitely like pushed through a wall um, writing songs. Like, you know, because before it was just like, well, three chords and I'm just going to kind of like do my version of the Ramones, right? It's like here I was like, I'm going to try to write, you know, a little past that and kind of see what happens. And I'm like super proud of that. It was a necessary step for me. Um, as a writer. And I think we're all really, really happy with that. I know we're doing some reunion stuff and we're playing, you know, we're playing a good handful from, from matinee, you know, we look back at that record fondly. Yeah. I, if anyone hasn't checked that out, I, I love it. I loved the, the artwork felt new. Um, it felt clean. It felt open. Uh, I think at that time, 97, I mean, a lot of the records, I don't know, they didn't, a lot of them don't hold up. <laughs> uh, I mean, holding up meaning sonically and just the, you know, the technology that was available. Um, sure. Uh, and also kind of sk- skipping ahead to Mojo Record World. And I think the Mast Albert Sounds and, and uh, I mean, a lot of exposure on that record. I mean, I was in college still at the time. I mean, there must have been a stack of stickers just sent to our station, um, our college radio station. So um, maybe that's why. Um, but what was some of the, what were some of the, I mean, you can be as 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 specific or as vague as you want, but what was sort of that jumping into that world and and trying to jump, especially at that time period? Yeah, I mean, you know, man, it it, it was it was kind of like it it came too late, you know. Um, I think at that point we were already, you know, the ship was sort of sort of drowning, you know, uh, and we thought that that was like sort of the glue that might patch it back together, you know, this thing we'd. You know, man, we were trying to, you know, keep the lights on by playing our guitars, you know, and we thought maybe that was the way to do it. But, right, that's like, you know, it's not a healthy way to keep a band going. And, you know, you can see why it sort of ended not very long after that record came out, you know. Um, not that it wasn't not that it wasn't a good experience. I mean, it was like, it was, it was you know, we learned a lot with, you know, all that cliched stuff. But it just, uh, I suppose it never really fit right for us, you know, just by where we came from and the things we sort of believed. And I think at first, you know, you sort of get a sort of golden carrot waved in front of you and you, and you're, you know, we were young and naive and we just sort of like, I don't know, maybe followed some advice we shouldn't have listened to. I think our, I think our guts and our heads were sort of at war with one another, but we just allowed ourselves to get talked into some things. I'm pretty sure we all look back and disagree with doing, but, um, were there any funny stories from it? Any funny like label stories or any like uh, crazy dinners? You know the whole the whole cliche stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were, <laughs> yeah, we were. You know, we were getting taken out to the dinners. You know, because that was still a time where you know the courting thing was a real a real thing, and you know, Green Day had exploded, and you know, so if you did anything that resembled pop punk, you were sort of a, you know, a bit of a prized commodity, right? Um, so yeah, you know, we were doing that sort of dinner thing and things. And I remember, and I'll, man, I'll share this one specific story without naming any names because that's, I'm not into the, I'm not into totally. the bridge burning. You know, yeah, no, no. But, I just thought yeah, it'd like, be funny. Like X, label X and label person yeah. X this. Perfect. Go. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, so label X, you know, takes us out to dinner. We do the thing. It's super pleasant. Fantastic. Um, we play a show at Maxwell's. They come out to see us there. Open bar all night doing the whole sort of thing you know and then they call in and they make an offer to manager y um who here's the figure which is to be fair 
more than Weston would have ever dreamed could have happened. And they were also managing, our managers at that time were managing other bands that were big, right? So their response to them was, that's not even the budget for catering on a, this other band I manage, right? <laughs> so just, I was just like, right? So when, when I sit here and talk about we made some decisions, we, we just, man, we, we, just, we just got outside of our world. And once that sort of happened, we didn't know how to, we just didn't know. We, we just got lost, you know? Um, but, but like that, right? You know, that, that's not even the catering budget on this other band's, you know, for a video. I, I was just like, right? <laughs> it's just like, we were kids who were just playing basement shows and hall shows. Like, that was more money than, and, you know, and, 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 you know, and bigger than the money, the A&R person who was courting us from this one label was such a perfect fit, like a real music person got where we came from the whole deal. We just, we just sort of, I don't know. We just sort of aligned ourselves maybe with uh, decision makers who didn't, who weren't, who were good people. Right. But just didn't understand the world we came from. And I think that caused a lot of weirdo fumbles, you know? I love that conversation. (laughs) Oh man. It was (laughs) like, yeah, (laughs) I yeah. I remember the A&R guy calling me and, you know, even doing the impression, like, tonally, how they said it to him, and it was just like, I just remember apologizing for, like, five minutes straight, you know, because it's like, it's it's sort of one thing to decline an offer or do the thing, but I just felt like you did it, and just that, you know, just that swarmy music industry sort of tone, you know, and I'm like, can we just not, we don't want to be that, can we, can we stop that, you know, uh, but look, you know, hey, I won't make those mistakes I haven't made any mistake resembling those sort of alignments since then, you know? I mean, that's the good thing, right, that comes with experience. You get, like, so I have all these funny stories to tell when friends come over, you know, or, or, I, or I talk to you, you know? And, yeah. or, and then, uh, you know, and then, you know, not to make them again. You know, I, you know, I see and anybody we sort of add to the Beach Lang crew now is, like, it's got to feel like family, you know? I don't... I, I honestly, man, I don't make any decisions with my head anymore. They're all with my gut. You know, you know that, you know that mechanism we all have, man. Mm-hmm. You just know that it feels right. Yeah. That's the whole, that's the whole deal for me now. And, um, and a lot of that I, I can sort of directly thank sort of later years of Weston with, you know, I think we did pretty much everything right in the early days. I think we just, uh, you know, got blown off course when, you know, folks start coming around telling you things that, you know, you can sort of talk in a 19 year old, 20 year old kid into, you know, um, and, and it's interesting that certainly happened to us. that time frame too. You're right. Punk rock was like, I mean, the labels couldn't sign them fast enough. Exactly. Yeah. So there was, there was a sort of whirlwind sort of thing to it. You know, you just, you know, we were almost just like dizzy in it, you know, we're getting like, again, you know, I, I'm, not to sound like a, I'm repeating myself here, but it's just like, we were just so from like, we went from like hall shows and, you know, touring and sleeping in like squats and basements and doing the, you know, really doing it and loving, loving that life. Right. Cause we, we connect with that. to so like getting taken out to dinners and being, you know, the whole, the whole gutter to the stars kind of thing. Right. And I just think we, while it felt exciting and like our parents were kind of proud of us, and like all of that kind of weird stuff was happening. It was just, I mean, it was square in a circle, you know, fish out of water, whatever, whatever, you know, analogy we want to tag to this thing. I mean, it really was like that, but I think we just sort of allowed ourselves to get swept out a little too far and we, we 
we couldn't get back. You know, it just was, uh, yeah, we were young, didn't know what we were doing. And, uh, yeah, man. And then it just, it just got to a point when I, we were sort of in all of that sort of weird combustion and we, we sort of talked and we were like, look, man, do we want to be a band or do we want to be friends? And we decided to be friends and we ended the band, you know? And when we came, yeah. when we came back and we did those reunion shows, I mean, those, you know, those were incredible, man, because we patched up all the things we needed to patch up. And now it's like, man, you know, we can't spend enough time together, like having a great time. Like it's always fantastic being around those guys now. That's great. I mean, and and I know that you've mentioned in other interviews and things where you're sort of life after Weston and getting back to start and sort of starting over. And I think that's a great transition for, you know, beach slang. Um, You know, if it was, you know, you're kind of DIY. I mean, you've, you got connected with tiny engines and what was it like when you had the beach slang stuff and you sent it out for the first time and you just waited? Was it like a, (laughs) what was that moment? Yeah, it well, it was um, it wasn't it, and, and this has been this has been sort of the beach line thing, you know. I know I've dropped the word organic a bunch, but that's how it was, right? We we made a really small list, so we we go in and we record four songs on our own. We were like feeling really great about it, and we made a really really short list of labels we'd like to work with, you know, labels we felt would get it, that got us, and sort of understand the world, understood the world we came from, right? So. We reached out to our friend Mike at Deadbroke, um, and he immediately was like, I'd absolutely love to put this out. Um, you know, and that's how it happened, man. So there wasn't a whole lot of waiting. I mean, it happened really quickly. Um, and then, and, and then, you know, I, uh, so it's, man, he's already agreed to put it out. I think it's coming out a week or so. And I'm like, guys, I'm moving to California. So I, 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 uh, I moved to Southern California for like six months to do design work um, out there. And Mike still wanted to put it out because he just believed in it. He was like, I get it. You guys are never going to play a show. This is sort of the end of it. James is moving. Um, but he still wanted to put it out just because he believed it. And like right there, that was sort of that moment where it's like, this is the difference. This is how it feels when you align yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. You know, like that just felt punk and like everything I love and respect about this thing that I do, you know? Um, yeah, and then he puts that record out, and very shortly after that, it kind of started to happen. Like, Noisy reviewed it and very, very kindly, you know, and then, like, Pitchfork picked up, and it just started to start, start to get this momentum, and I was getting phone calls from people back home about these things that were happening, and, you know, it was that decision of, like, you know, I should come back home, we should see what we can make this, you know, what we can turn this thing into, and I'm, you know, really glad I did that, right? <laughs> so... Yeah, so far so good. But yeah, but that that whole process was just super organic, man. First record was just putting out a record with a friend, you know. Um, and again, man, that's directly relational to those Western mishaps, you know. I just didn't want to get into that world again. Yeah, I mean, the reaction yeah. to the two EPs was fantastic. Um, and I think that that's all you can ask for. Yes, there's a, you know, if, if the press is writing about it, that's one thing. But there still needs to be the show. There still needs to be the people coming out and connecting sure. to it. And I think that's what's so great about it. And I think, again, going into the new record, the things we do to find people who feel like us, you know, there's amazing, there's album of the year stuff being thrown around left and right already. Um, and yeah. I fucking love that. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty, it's pretty overwhelming, right? And like, in like the best way, right? It's like, look, man, if, if I were like, 
if I was getting pushed by a label to sort of, you know, now we're wearing like skinny jeans and, you know, getting our hair cut at like some stylish way. Right. And that's how this is happening. It's like, fuck that, man. I, I want nothing to do with that. But it's like, we're writing, you know, making honest records, writing from the gut. If that stuff's connecting, I don't want to put a ceiling on this thing, man. Like whatever it can become, I want it to become right. Like yeah. as long as it's true and it means something, you know, I just, uh, I'm not willing to really compromise anything anymore. Right. Because again, you know, man, I can't keep saying it, but it's like that Western thing was sort of like the guy still can't get that taste out of my mouth, you know, from like all of that, all of that stuff. So it's like, man, it, it feels like a real, real beautiful validation for me to like all these years after Weston come out and do this and do it really honest, really direct, sort of the antithesis of like what those labels kind of wanted me to be back then and have this be considerably bigger and more important than anything I've done before. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know, man. Apparently, honesty works, and I'm really, I'm really glad culturally, like we still can subscribe to that. You know, I mean, like, without without the mishaps of Weston, maybe there wouldn't have been a beach slang, or there wouldn't have been the right decisions made. Um, oh, for sure, for sure, man. And I think uh, my favorite song on the on the record is "Bad Art and Weirdo Ideas." Um, I close my eyes and I feel like that's '98, and that's a good thing. Um, nice good uh, and uh so what are, i mean any um i mean i saw the tour coming up any sort mm-hmm. of uh bucket list things that are sort of happening that you didn't expect or things that you're looking forward to in the next few months here as this thing comes out very soon and you guys are touring and obviously doing the promo round is there anything like a bucket list thing yeah without a doubt man well i mean you know we've we're going back over to you know full us now or whatever but we go back over to europe for a month in january and february i know we're already starting to confirm be able to announce like some really sort of wildly big festival things that we're doing in europe in the summer uh awesome just stuff that i'm just like yeah man it's it's honestly like i i laugh about it only because i'm i'm nervous you know it's just like i can't believe all of this is happening like i uh you know man like rock and roll or, or really like any creative field, whether you're like a writer or a painter or a musician or whatever, it's all like, like hard works, like, right. That, that's part of the equation. But then man, it's all dumb luck and magic and just being in the right place. Right. Like you just, you can't make it happen. It's just sort of like, for whatever reason, things start to take a life of their own, you know? And I'm just like, I wake up every day, like, like how the hell, right. <laughs> Is this thing well, happening to a, you know what's great? Like me, you know, it's like that's great. Is because that's you're enjoying the moment. You're you're there. For you're, sure. you're you're in it, and it's not this. Five years later, you're like, oh man, I, that was kind of fun, but I don't remember or whatever the reason is. You're you're in the moment, and you're saying, this is fun. I'm having fun. Let's keep having fun. Yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. There's a real self awareness to it, and I think because it didn't come like easily to me, like this moment, I'm appreciating the hell out of it. You know, it's like. You know, it took a, it took a good bit to get here, and yeah, man, and that's the thing, right? Like this could go away tomorrow, so it's just like I'm just gonna I'm 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 just I'm holding on as tight as I can, hoping the thing lasts, and just enjoying like every second. Um, it's here, man. I can't think of a better way to sort of live life. It's like I'm in a van right now, driving around the country with my best friends, playing my guitar, seeing all my other friends around around. You know, it's 
it's pretty all right, you know? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah. then, and, you know, real, real quickly, are there other, you know, other bands now, like the new sort of revival punk rock indie scene? Are there bands that you've been super into or ones that you've sort of connected with that you didn't think you would have? Well, I can, um, I can tell you some bands that I've been really digging. Um, I, I, I'm not surprised that I'm connecting with them. You know, now that I've heard them, but like, there's this incredible band out of Omaha named See Through Dresses, you know, do mm-hmm. a real... You know them? Yeah, sort of aggressive Smith kind of thing, which, man, yeah, I, I, I can't listen to them enough. I think they're incredible. Um, my friend Nightflowers from the UK, our friend Sun Organ from Philadelphia, like, um, and, and that's the thing, man, as you talk about, like, bad art and weirdo ideas sounding like 98, you know, I suppose in my head I'm stuck there, right? So it's like the records that I, I'm listening to are, are the records I came up on, right? But I, I have this unique sort of lifestyle where, like, you know, every night I'm out, I'm out playing with other bands, right? So um, I'm finding bands just sort of through that, which is really, really incredible because I don't know, man, I've always dug the idea of first getting turned on to a band by seeing them live. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I love that moment. You know, as I talked about the Smoking Popes, man, just kind of getting like, getting your wig flipped, you know, you're just at a show, you don't see it coming. And it's like, bang, you hear something and it's like, you know that, you know, we talk about these lines that our lives follow, and, you know, that causes that little tick in it where it's like, it won't be the same after this, man, because this band just, just, you know, reshaped my heart a little bit, you know. Um, those, you know, so, the, the, you know, I'm lucky enough that moments like that continually happen because I'm not on the road all the time, like, getting getting exposed to it all. But, but those are definitely three that have really been... Really been really been doing it to me lately for sure. And then how how about some of the newer bands or even bands in general coming up to you or were there any funny stories of were you, do you, did you you know is it a younger band or an a old uh, or a peer that you were like wait a minute you know who I am or you've heard of my older band or you know about us was there any of those moments? Yeah yeah well you know man it's weird it's almost like every show I get like a handful of people coming up about Weston you know and it'll it'll be really cool stories like. You know, like the first time I, you know, made out with my boyfriend or girlfriend, right? It's like Weston was playing or the first mixtape I made. And it's like, I met my, my girlfriend at this hall show in Jersey in whatever year, you know, like that stuff's incredible, you know? And like a byproduct of that has been, and I think so it's like, so it's these people who saw me doing Weston and now see me doing it with Beachline with that same fervor, that same that same sort of moxie, you know, and they're just like, and I think this is one of the best compliments I've gotten since this whole thing started was like, I've started playing in a band again because of seeing you doing it, you know? And I'm like, that's the thing, right? I did this interview once and I was like, you don't have to retire from being alive at 35. You know, it's like, you know, man, like if I'm going to live until 90, I'm going to live that whole way. You know, that whatever it is, like the Bukowski thing of, living your life life so well that death will tremble to take you, you know, it's like, that's what I want. I, I, I've I've never quite understood the, like the giving up thing, you know, just like, because you're whatever it might be 40 or something. It's like, you've got so much life left to go. Right. It's like, I know when you were 15, you saw a 40 year old as an old man. Right. But it's like, as you coming up on that age, you sort of realize, man, you're like, you're only halfway there, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want the back half to be a drag, you know? Um, and it was like younger bands. Yeah, man, it, it's, it's incredibly flattering how many of them know Weston. So it's just like, we just, uh, Beachline just played Asbury Lanes, like legendary spot in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And it, and it closed and we had, I'll call it a privilege because it was a very distinct privilege to be the last band to play that spot. And it was just, 
a party. I mean, it was, it was, it was everything it should have been. Right. And so we get done playing and people want more, right? Not because it's about us, but nobody wants the night to end. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we sort of froze up thinking, well, what, what else do we know? Blah, blah, blah. And I just said, you know what, man, let me, is there anybody here that's never played Asbury lanes? And like, you've always wanted to do that. And, uh, these three kids come up 19, all of them, 19, 20 years old. And they just, they do boxcar by jawbreaker and they do can't hardly wait by the replacements. And I mean, they slay them. It's, and the place goes wild. And it's like, I, um, and I talked to these guys afterwards, huge, huge Western, you know, the whole deal. And I was like, how did you even stumble across those records? You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, so moments like that, man, continually keep happening, and like, how did they stumble upon them? Like the greatest way, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, you know what I mean? It was just one of those, like, no, of course we know, we know Weston, you know. And I was like, right, but you know how weird that is, right? Given the age and the whole when those record when those records are coming out, you were being born, and I, and then I think to myself, well, like, yeah, well, I know, like, I suppose I know, like, the Who and stuff, and why would I know them, right? based on when those records are coming out. I suppose it's just like happenstance. Maybe it's New Jersey, maybe an older brother, you know, whatever the deal might be, but it's, um, I just think it takes an extra, I just think it takes an extra step. It's one thing if it's the who or Zeppelin, it's on the radio, but it's like this, that that took him to like, maybe that took an extra YouTube search. (laughs) That's that's, that's right. Well, (laughs) I was going to be more romantic with it and just be like, you know, maybe it's like some kids still get it. You know, some kids dig the idea of, going to the record store and flipping through or talking to the, to the guy or the, or the girl who work at like the record store about getting turned on to like new records. They want to be students of like this thing that we love so much, you know? Um, I have to believe, you know, that there's teenagers, whatever it might be, just picking up a guitar for the first time. And you're not just going to, you're not just going to go to Spotify or YouTube. Like you want to, you kind of, you want to know how it used to be done. You know, it's just, you want to you want to hold a record. You want to you want to sort of smell the dust of a record bin. You mm-hmm. know, I, I have to believe that there that 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 thing's still alive. And I mean, based on based on what I'm seeing and feeling with Beachfine, man, it, it it certainly is, and that's uh that's really encouraging. You know, Rad. My last question for you: What is your dream? I'm talking specifics. I'm not. This isn't like a you know <laughs> a, like an Oprah moment moment. But like, what is what is your dream? Yes, to continue. Yes, to play music. I get that. And, to do it to your aid, but is there like a specific thing that you're like, I would love that to happen? Hmm. You, uh, and we're talking music here? Whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be able to write books and uh, maybe get by on that. You know, when, look, I'm going to play music till, you know, my heart falls out or my fingers fall off, right? It's just, it's, I'm wired to do it. Like, I, I, I can't stop. So, so I won't talk about what's a given, right? Um, whether people are going to continue to care about the things I make, but I'd love to be a writer, you know, uh, maybe move back to New England where I'm from. Uh, I would like to have a, a small boat and go, <clears throat> go fishing, but I, I've always thought it'd be a lot more fun to put fish food on a non hook line and feed fish. You know, <laughs> I thought, uh, I, yeah. So if you look me up, you know, <laughs> Later in life, man, that that's probably going to sound a lot like what my my life's going to be like, man. Just uh, feeding fish and writing books. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I like that. The night is alive. It's loud and I'm drunk. Kissing the mic and singing about that.
Holy crap. How fantastic was that? I mean, the quote, I'm going to play music till my heart falls out or my fingers fall off. I'm wired to do it. Come on. Can't be more inspired. So thanks for listening to episode 50 of the podcast with James from Beach Slime. Their new album, The Things We Do to Find People Who Feel Like Us, is out now. And it's my record of the year. I uh, implore you to go find it. I also want to thank Jabberjaw Network, jabberjawmedia.com, our little fine podcast network, and sponsor Soundrink, the ultimate artist experience. Check them out at soundrink.com. Till next time, I'm Tom from Washed Up Emo. Don't forget, only you can prevent bad emo nights. I will see you next time. Not safe.